What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernition, joined as always by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting and Downtown Sports Network, Devin Jackson. Devin, how you doing today, man? Doing pretty good, man. Monday Monday uh, afternoon that we're recording this, obviously, you know, you have some things going on later this afternoon, uh, so do I, but, you know, always a good time to talk about football, things starting to kind of ramp up here, about to hit July, um, and I believe it will be July when we rec- uh, release this episode, but we're getting closer and closer to football season, a lot of uncertainty still around it, surrounded, a lot of players have been testing for COVID-19, positive for COVID-19, so... The season is still up in the air. We'll see what happens, uh, but hopefully we're, we're going to have the season because we we've taken a look at a lot of prospects and getting ready for the the twenty twenty one draft class. Yeah, man. Uh, man, every every time I open the, you know one of my sports apps, all I get is you know for college football, you know so, you know insert team test positive for coronavirus 17 you know players like, oh jesus i think alabama's at 30 clemson's at like 34 like this is not looking good um it you know what one of the things i've been wanting to do in the next couple of weeks is to get uh some some like draft analysts in the media on and i've reached out to a couple of people because uh, i think it was uh eric edholm from yahoo sports that it said that if the season doesn't go, these these summer evals are way more important than they've ever been before. Which is a shame for some of these guys where like they had limited amount of tape, maybe were gonna be a starter this year, like they've now gotta go back for another year anyways. Like also one thing that, that didn't really cross my mind until this morning is the the chance of with a lot of schools saying that classes are gonna be online only in the fall why would you do fall athletics like don't get me wrong i really want there to be football but i also want it to be safe while doing so yeah for sure i mean you you want them to obviously not have health concerns um you know passing along the virus you know it's it's gonna be a strange situation regardless if they have it or not in the fall if they have football because I mean, not many people are going to be at the games. I mean, we already established a lot of these games will be half empty, you know, maybe a or quarter. fully three, empty. Yeah, three quarters empty or just in, pretty much all empty. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the NBA is already not having fans for their games, and they're still planning on playing the end of next month. Uh, baseball, I think, is doing the same thing. So it looks like football, even though, like, a lot of it – I feel like compared to other sports, like crowds swing the momentum of games and football more than like basketball or baseball, um, which is strange but true. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I want a season to happen, but we have so many people in the country not wearing masks, uh, pretending like this is going away, like it doesn't exist anymore. So it's kind of discouraging because you obviously you want people, number one, to be safe, but you also want football and sports to happen in the fall. And it's just not looking good right now. Yeah, man. Like I'm, I'm still seeing on like a daily basis all these, you know, posts. And you know what? I've gotten them responses from my own tweets about how it's over. I, I think Florida, Texas, and Arizona would like to uh, – like, like to retract their statement about how it's over. 
um, with Florida having more cases than all of Europe in the last couple of days, which I think that's a sign. Uh, you know, the U.S. is the only country in on planet Earth that's got a double, you know, humped curve. All right, like it's not it's not great up here in Canada, but like our numbers are night and day compared to what's going on in the states. And we are reopening. We're just being smart about it. Yeah, I mean, we were being smart about it at first, but then, you know, pretty much people, as soon as it opened back up, everybody was like, oh, it's gone, so it's no. not our mask. But. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not gone. Um, you know, now that you mention it, uh, before we get into the news and obviously what we're talking about this week, uh, there's a story I shared on Twitter that I might as well share on the podcast, too. So, about a week and a half or so ago, where I work, we were having this big, um, you know, promotion. You know, Starbucks always does that. Buy one, get one. It's a great way to boost sales, except it actually doesn't really boost sales. It just makes it inconvenient for you know, for the staff. And uh, it, if it boosts sales at all, it boosts it by, like, a couple hundred bucks. Not, like, if we're lucky. So, anyways, right now, we're in a bit of a predicament at work. Because we can, at the time, we were only allowing five people... In the, you know, in the doors at a time. Now we've got, like, a patio set up so we can allow 10. So, you know, it's a little bit easier. We don't have to be as, as you know, stingy on it. But, yeah, so we're, we're at five people at a time. And, you know, the big problem we have right now is people touching everything in the store. Like, you can't sit there, but people will still, like, want to touch all of the chairs. And we got merchandise out, so they'll want to pick up every single thing we have out. It's like... Great, now i got to spend 10 minutes sanitizing all of that. Thank you for that. You know, if you're not willing to buy, you know, you know one, of our, one of our seasonal mugs, maybe don't touch all of them first. Kind of a look, but don't touch. Get your fucking hands off my merch. <laughs> but anyways, you know, we have little boxes for people where they can wait for the drinks. And this woman kept coming up and, like, grabbing everyone else's drinks. It's like... If you ordered in the store, then your name will be on the cup to make sure that this doesn't happen. And it's not like we're handwriting it. We're typing it out, everything. Like, it's on the sticker. So if it's not your name, it's not your drink. And my boss and me and one of my other supervisors are trying to tell people, like, listen, wait in the box, all right? Especially on a day like today. Like, normally when there's, like, two to three people in, we're like, all right, you don't have to necessarily wait in the box because you're all together. But just, like, you know, keep your distance from where we would hand stuff off so that we don't have you, like, breathing all over us. Because, you know, the plexi shields are great, but they're not perfect. So this woman's it's like, last I checked, I could do whatever I want and da-da-da. Where do you want me to stand? In the green box. Where I am. Like, no, no, no. Take three steps back and st stay in that green box. Here, no, 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 in the box. It's on the floor. Big checkered box. Huh. Well, you know what? This is a free country. If I want to go over there and lick that person, I'm going to go over there and lick that person. Now, me being a smartass, what I should have said was nothing. <laughs> what I actually said was, you know what? Go ahead. I kind of want to see what happens. Uh, she did not. But after, like, several minutes of just, like, more complaining, we basically had to say, like, listen, your drink is coming. We, ha are, we have a lineup up the street in our drive-thru, and our lineup to get into the store is around the building. It will come when it comes. It's a matter of whoever put the order in first, whether it's drive-thru or in the store, that's who gets their stuff first. Because we can't 
you know, have one person focus only on drive-thru, one person solely focus on, you know, uh, on the cafe orders because we need proper social distancing. And so if she didn't like it, she could just leave. But yeah, like, it's ridiculous. By the way, no mask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just getting worse and worse, man. I mean, thankfully here in, in State College, Pennsylvania, a lot of people are still wearing masks when they go out in public and uh, you know, following social distancing and whatnot. I mean, there's a few people every now and then just like, completely doesn't wear a mask at all. But for the most part, I've seen a lot of people, you know, wearing masks and, and continuing to, to follow the guidelines. And But I don't know, man. You know, people are just stubborn at the end of yeah. the day. They just want to do what they want to do. And that's only just going to cause a detriment. And shoot, we might have another country shut down here in a couple months. Maybe, and you know what? Um, it honestly wouldn't surprise me. But moving on to some news, uh, last week while we were interviewing Mello, uh, Kylan Hill, the running back from Mississippi State, said that he was willing to sit out. He wanted, you know, he wanted to make change, and and Mississippi State, they need, sorry, Mississippi, like the, the whole damn state, needed to get rid of use of the Confederate emblem uh, that is in the corner. They are the only. Uh, state that has any confederacy uh, symbolism in their actual flag and uh, you know I've heard a lot of people at the time that were saying like you know oh well you know he's just a spoiled entitled you know college kid and he'll never make change how you like them apples because in less than a week it was taken off the state flag so round of applause for Kylan Hill yeah I mean I'm not I'm not gonna you know, go deep in the context of what people have been saying, because me and you both know what they've been saying, but... Yeah, me and you both have been seeing it, um, one of us has lived it, and it's not me. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, you know, anyway, like you were saying, you know, good for Colin Hill, Uh, I'm glad that Mississippi did the sensible thing, and took it out, I don't, I don't really... I muted you. Yeah, I'm good. good. I'm good. Oh, I, I hit the, I hit the mute button because I was trying to clean off my computer. Oh, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, for, I'm glad that he um, he took the stand and, and made that happen because Mississippi, we're in 2020. <laughs> like you, you gonna join the century? I mean, it it's just just ridiculous that we even have these conversations. That in NASCAR, NASCAR had to ban the flag from the races and take the confederacy symbols out of a flag state flag (laughs) it it just blows my mind but like i said it got done we'll see what happens next um but i mean i think you know obviously there's going to be blowback or whatever but we can't call them spoiled anymore no you can't you can call them right uh, so what we're going to talk about today, obviously last week we started kind of our, our um, preview in terms of um, conferences and, um, uh, and draft prospects and kind of just college football in general with the Big 12. Uh, this week we wanted to give, uh, just it's just the two of us, we don't have a guest, uh, but we wanted to talk a little bit further out west. No East Coast bias here. Um, 
you know, obviously the Pac-12 may be down a bit in terms of draft prospects, but that doesn't mean that there's still not some good ones. Now, Devin's watched a lot more of the Pac-12 than I have. I, I was saying before we went live that I've watched uh, like nine guys out of like the 80 or 85 I've got so far. Devin's watched a few more, but we'll kind of go the same style as we did um, with uh, with Mello. We'll just kind of go like from like the top contending teams down to, you know, your basement dwellers which the Pac-12 is kind of weird they don't really have a lot of well Arizona um yeah I was gonna say they don't have one and then Arizona like well the crazy uh, thing is like even though everybody like shits on the Pac-12 they are the most one of the most competitive conferences because we literally have oh yeah teams knock off each other like crazy yeah, uh, the, I, I I joke every year that by week six the Pac-12 eliminated itself from yeah from the college football playoff. Yeah, but I mean it's exciting. But I, I guess we can go ahead and start with the, the top dog in terms of prospects. It has to be Oregon. Uh, you got Panay Sewell, uh, you know Javon Holland, uh, who is one of your guys, I believe. Um, Canada's own. Canada's yeah. own. Yeah, I uh, got C.J. Verdell, uh, someone I think is intriguing in this running back class. I think someone that really doesn't get talked about much. In terms of top talent, I mean, obviously he's not the biggest guy. He's not exactly, you know, a bell cow, so to speak. But I think his versatility uh, and his ability to um, provide receiving, uh, provide as a receiving back out of the backfield, I think that is going to prove valuable at the next level. Um, but like I said, he's not that big compared to like some other top running backs. Um, but he, he's supremely talented. Um, Oregon's offense in general, I think, will be, I mean, obviously replacing Herbert is going to be the big question, but they still have the talent around them to, to be a top contender in the Pac-12, and I think they'll be in that conversation for sure. Yeah, Oregon, I think right now in terms of the, the prospects is kind of, Clear cut above the above the rest, like you said, they've got uh, Verdell, who again, you know, kind of slept on a little bit. I think some people are just kind of overlooking him right now, uh, and also kind of, you know, there hasn't been a ton of success of Oregon running backs, which you know, I hate that. I hate the scouting the helmet and not the player. But again, I like C.J. Verdell. I think he's kind of in that like, you know, top seventy-five ish player. Um, Penny Sewell is obviously going to be one of like the top three players in this class i think without a doubt uh he's probably gonna push for being the best overall player um they have some dudes uh usc has that j i want to say his last name is tefele yeah the defensive yeah, tackle what, what was your read on him uh i think he i think he could be um i think he's gonna have a better year next year um he, he kind of came out on the scene this year i think he's definitely gonna be one of those run-stopping uh interior defensive lineman. Uh, he, he also shows some versatility in, in the pass rush game. I think uh, he can – I don't think he's going to be like a first-rounder or anything like that or anything crazy, but I think that he can be a top 50, top 75 player, uh, someone that you can plug and play immediately um, in, into the defense. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting. Two of our guys that we've had on before, uh, we had uh, Nick Price – who is all the way out onto L.A. Found him on the ground too much, said he wasn't much of an impact player. Meanwhile, our guy Matt Valdivinos absolutely loves him. So, Yeah, it, it seems it, like the, the, you know, 
it's split on on how people like him or how people kind of view him. Um, I guess you also got to think about projection and um, you know what they're going to be, what traits they possess, and whatnot. Um, so I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah, for- I, I I see limited tape on him, but from what I saw, I liked it. I liked uh, him as a player. So. One guy I did not like from USC when I was watching was uh, and hang on a second, I'm gonna try it. Palei Geotete the fourth. What don't you like about him? Um, he it feels like he takes about three and a half minutes to change direction. Uh, he's very stiff, no real sideline to sideline ability. Uh, and part of that is just due to his size. I mean, a lot of these linebackers that we've been seeing lately, your, you know, uh, Roquan Smiths, your Devin Bushes, uh, Devin White, they're like 5'11", five, you know, you know uh, 6 feet, 6'1", six, maybe 6'2". Usually these guys are maxing out at like 235, 240. Tete is like 255. Yeah, he's going to have to cut. He's he's just, he's a very rigid athlete. And in pass coverage, forget about it. Just just have him, just have him stay. If it's a pass coverage down, either have him blitz or just have him literally, like, not have to move more than, like, a couple of feet in each direction because he can't really shuffle or change direction and he ain't going to be able to cover nobody, so. Yeah, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, he'd been a perfect linebacker, but man, you you got to be able to cover in, in today's game. Uh, he's going to be a two-down linebacker if that rotation guy, I think, at the next level. I don't think he's going to be become an every-down linebacker. Because like, with linebackers, it's like so hard. You can't teach coverage, you know what I'm saying? You can't really mm-hmm. teach instincts. Um, it's still like you have it or don't. Like, I mean, it's hard to... It's not fair to compare him to other linebackers, but Micah Parsons, for example... He has coverage skills. He has instincts. Uh, you know, even some of the linebackers from last year, you know, they got coverage skills. They got instincts. So, yeah, I, it's not looking too good for him. Uh, I think he's still, obviously, still going to get picked. I think he may be a day two guy, uh, someone that they're going to bring in, you know, like I said, rotational. But I don't think he's going to become, you know, uh, uh, every down linebacker unless he dramatically improves his, uh, his coverage skills. Yeah, I just I was not sold watching his film. Uh, I still think USC is probably I think really at the top it is Oregon, and then I would say second is probably USC. I don't know in terms of like I, I mean in terms of draft talent and in terms of how they'll actually finish. Like I kind of have a feeling USC USC is like Texas. They're always somehow back even though they're not. Uh, but I fe- I actually feel good with USC this year. Which, yeah. as a Cal fan, annoys the shit out of me, I'll tell you that much. Well, you know, we got everybody already drooling about Keaton Slovis for 2022. Uh, of course, we couldn't talk about USC without mentioning his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, Our guy Carter thinks he might be a Heisman candidate, so. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, in recent years, USC quarterbacks and Heisman, they don't really mix. Um, but hey, you know, you got to have the confidence in them for sure. But, um, yeah, the, the two receivers, Tyler Vons and, uh, St. Brown, uh, what do you think of them? Um, what do you like better? 
I like St. Brown a lot better than I like Vaughn's. I think his body's a bit uh, more pro-ready. Uh, also, Vaughn's is going to be 23 by the time... I think he's 23 by, you know, now, which means he'll be 24 when the, the season starts. Um, you know, uh, or when the you know draft rolls around or next season. So, again, kind of on the older side, which uh, for a wide receiver is not huge, but, you know... Uh, you know, wide receivers, running backs, they kind of, they, they start kind of having that downturn at around like 29, 30, less so at wide receiver because they're not taking as much of a physical beating, but it's something to keep, you know, an eye on. He's also, I think he's kind of maxed out size wise and he's not exactly very big. Same Brown, I think he's a better version of his older brother. Uh, Equinemius was, was, which was one, an amazing name to say, uh, that year of draft coverage, Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, but yeah, Amonra St. Brown, I haven't quite finished his eval on him yet. Um, but I get the feeling he's kind of, I mean, obviously at the top, we've got Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman. That's kind of your tier one in terms of receivers, regardless of how you stack it. And then you've got that tier two of like, Surratt from Wake Forest, Devontae Smith, who I, I appear to be lower than just about everyone else on, and you know what? That's fine. Uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State. I think he's kind of in in that range. He's not quite in, you know, like he's he's better than say the the Tutu Atwells, the Tylen Wallaces, or our guy Watt Fillier. Um and that kind of rounds up my top ten. So I'd kind of put him in that like second tier, closing in on that third tier, which probably puts him in around like a mid. To late second round pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I have kind of similar um, kind of initial evaluations. I really haven't dug deep into the U.S. receivers yet, but I know a lot of people did it like right at the beginning of the summer. Uh, I like both receivers. Um, Vaughn's, uh, like you said, he, he's really not that big size wise. Um, I really don't think he can get much bigger. I think he, I think he's talented, but I don't. He's not like like you said. He's not like crazy like athletic or you know runs like Chris routes or anything like that uh he's just a good solid receiver uh, I would like to see him like grow like route tree wise and uh becoming more consistent I saw a lot of I saw a couple of drops of film for sure uh that he could have caught um St. Brown I think he has a, a bit of a higher ceiling than Vaughn's um athletic ability is definitely there um I think like you said, he, he's definitely in tier two, tier three range where, you know, he, he can compete with some of those other guys in terms of uh, draft position and uh, just getting, you know, bigger and, and more crisp as route running. Um, so I definitely have St. Brown over Vaughn's. Uh, Vaughn's, he, he kind of stacks up probably top 15 receiver in, in this draft class, but I definitely like St. Brown. Yeah, All right. I think the kind of next tier in terms of, uh, I think we, we kind of established like Oregon, USC, they're kind of like the top tier uh, schools in terms of draft prospects and how they are going to go forward this year. Um, I think kind of that next tier starts with, um, and now I can't remember what school I was going to bring up, uh, Washington, Washington, purple and gold of Washington. Um, let's talk about some of their guys. Uh, there's no quarterback prospect for them this year. Which is kind of a rarity. Uh, well, granted, uh, Jake Browning. So, or, what was was his name? Jake Browning. Yeah. Yeah, and then Jacob Eason was 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 decent. Uh, but yeah, they don't they don't. Last I checked, they don't actually have um, a quarterback prospect. 
but they do have some guys. Uh, ironically, nothing really along the offensive line from what I saw. Oh, it, it's mostly their defense. Yeah, I love Elijah Molden. If I, I put it in my in my DB uh, rankings, which will be out. Um, Tuesday afternoon. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, go check that out. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, if we get that out a little bit early, it'll be out tonight. Um, you know, Elijah Molden, if you liked Byron Murphy, you'll love Elijah Molden because they are very much uh, the same type of player. Um, yeah, they're, they're both just... Everything that people loved about Byron Murphy is what I love about Elijah Molden. I think he's got better ball skills than than Byron Murphy did. Uh, watch the, I want to say it was the um, Arizona State game. I want to say it was Arizona State where he had like some amazing at, you know, athletic plays. Uh, came away with like this ridiculous high point the football. And he's only like 5'10". He like high pointed it, came down and like landed in. And then, like, basically did a back somersault, just made it look so graceful, and then almost had another, like, tip drill pick in the end zone uh, later in the game. Like, just, he's so good. So good. Um, but he's not he's not alone. They, they do have some other guys. Uh, I want to talk about their, their defensive. Okay, I want to get this off my chest. I hate the way Washington's defense runs because positions don't make any damn sense there. They have... Uh, Levi, uh, oh god, another name I'm going to struggle with. Uh, Levi Onwuzurike, uh, the defensive tackle, he's playing like nose at 275. And. That's incredibly wild. Yeah, and then they also have Joe Tryon, who's the, the edge rusher. He's playing basically a stand up ed- edge rusher role, and he's 273. Yeah, they, their defense is strange for sure. Um,. It, it makes it a little bit hard to evaluate these guys when they're not playing. I don't think a lot of them play their position that they would normally play, Ooh. you know. So it, it, it definitely makes it hard. But, yeah, their, their defense is always top-notch. They always have guys, you know, especially at the cornerback position. They always have one or two corners uh, or safety that, you know, is in, is in the, uh, the conversation for, you know, top DBs. So it – they're, they're becoming a uh, West Coast DB factory. We'll say that. I, I don't want to. They're not. It, it's, something, it's something about the coach in there. And I know that their defensive coordinator uh, is now the head coach. So that should, you know, continue that same style of, you know, of play there. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Washington. I hope this is kind of a, ba- a bounce back year for them. There's just, there's a, and you know what? Especially given the circumstances surrounding the, the pandemic, having someone who's already familiar with the program and has the, you know systems set up in place, that's going to be very beneficial to them. For sure. I mean, they they're like a well-oiled machine. It just comes down to honestly, they just don't play well in big games. I no, mean, that, they don't. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. I mean, we've seen on you know, multiple occasions with uh, East last year on the biggest stage, they just fold. You know, he just plays horrendously. Or, you know, even in the past when they played Alabama in, in the the playoff, that was horrible. <laughs> they couldn't even move the ball past the fifty. So they they don't have like overwhelming offensive weapons uh, hardly. Um, they had that one receiver. I, 
can't remember his name, but he was like their do-it-all guy, but he couldn't separate. You know? Yeah, and he's he, he's moved on now. Yeah, I know I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name either. Uh, we mentioned USC, but Devin, let's talk about the actual best uh, team in the state of California in the Pac-12. Oh, Cal. We we talk we talk in Cal. Uh, yes, yes. To, to the surprise of, of many, I the kid from just outside of Toronto am a diehard California Golden Bears fan. So this is true. Let let's talk about the Golden Bears because they have some dudes, man. Especially in that secondary. Yeah, for sure. I I was just looking at his name. Uh, they also got an edge, uh, Cameron Good. Yeah, that's intriguing too. Um, was was the corner's name? Uh, uh, they have two. They've got Cameron Bynum and they've got uh, oh Elijah Hicks. I was thinking about Cameron Bynum. Uh, lot to like about with him. Uh, definitely someone that I think. You know, one of those sleeper guys. I mean, is is Cal? You know, people don't really expect uh, defense from Cal. Um, even though Cam Jordan did come from Cal, so I do think Cam, Cam Jordan, that. Evan Weaver. I do, I do think Cam Jordan for that. I mean, we got we got a nice Cal defensive player, but you know, you think about offense, quarterbacks, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, um, some of the other. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, Marshawn Lynch, Justin Forsett. Um, Javid Best, C.J. Anderson. By the way, those were actually replacements for one another. <laughs> yeah, I, I just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 definitely excited about uh, Cameron, man. Uh, I think he can, like I said, I think he could be a sleep a sleeper guy that can go late first, second round potentially. I think he has high upside. Definitely. Um, and then again, Elijah Hicks. Team struggled throwing on Cal last year because they had a lot of talent on that team, especially in that secondary. Because they had Bynum, they had Hicks, they had Ashton Davis. They were low key pretty good. They got another uh, linebacker that's going to be definitely a project at the next level. Quani uh, Deng, six six two twenty, kind of you know poor man's version of Chris Rumpf, the kid from Duke, who we will definitely have to talk about in later weeks. Um, but yeah, I honestly think that like Cal has an eight has the potential to go like eight or nine wins this year. Yeah, I mean they like I said their defense, man, they teams really struggle scoring on them. Um, just watching some of the the Pac-12 games, the high scoring offenses, they it just wasn't happening. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a legit struggle to, to get something going on them. So I I'm definitely excited to see what they they bring to the table. Uh, in in the future, for sure. Yeah, I think that there's there's probably about two more schools we really need to talk about where they have like multiple guys. Um, I think that we need to do some some talking about Stanford and just. I'm sorry. It, this is not just because I'm a Cal fan. This is because I actually watched the film. Their guys don't impress me. Walker Little and Paulson Adebo. Neither one of them is good. I'm sorry. I know it's gonna. And, and, and our guy Anthiorio from from coast to coast is going to be in, all up in my mentions in a minute. But Walker Little has not been good since his freshman season, and Paulson Adebo got uh well actually the metaphor I was going to use is inappropriate for the podcast. Uh, he got worked a lot is what I was gonna uh, is what I'm gonna say. Uh, he bad. He very, very bad. I know he was hurt, but he bad. Uh, it's going to take a lot to recover his um, his draft status. 
yeah, but I mean, yeah. I still see a lot of people ranking him as a top five. They're the wrong. Five, They're uh, wrong. Both of them. No. Neither of them. Neither of them cracks my top ten at their position. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really a big fan of Debo. Every time I turn on the Stanford film, he's he's getting he's getting worked, like you said, like. <laughs> UCF mean, was rough. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams struggle against USC uh, with Slovis back there, but man, I, I don't, I don't know how you can ignore that. Uh, and I, I just felt like uh, I don't know. It, does Walker Lewis play left tackle or right tackle? He's left tackle. They're, I oh actually like their right God. tackle better. Yeah, you thought Hamlet, he was the right tackle. Listen, Hamlicar, um, Rashid, he was murdering him that game. Yep. Yeah. Now, okay, we we gonna talk about more Rashid in a second. Uh, but my, yeah, the, the, the Stanford dudes—they're. We need to stop talking about them. We we really do. Well, you know, you know, it's it's all about the, the you know the sign on their helmet. I mean, Stanford is known to to. And five five star recruits like. Not good. Yeah, I'm, not good, I'm, man. I've never been a big since Andrew Luck left. I have not liked any of the hardly any of the Stanford guys, to be honest, or the teams, yeah. to be honest. All right, and I think the last school that's got like a decent amount of prospects that we're going to need to talk about. There are some that are getting talked about pretty highly, and it's it's uh, Washington State. Our guy uh, Matt Valdivino says their right tackle is a top fifteen player in the class. I have not Abraham Lucas. Yet. I have not either. Uh, I need to watch him and Max Borgie. Uh, okay, Let, let's talk about Max Borgie for a second. <laughs> let's talk about Max Borgie. I don't know if it's just because he's short and white and plays running back, but I am really tired of seeing that he's Christian McCaffrey 2.0 because our guy Dante Colinelli put out an article about this on Blue Chip Scouting, and it's... I mean, I don't know where that uh, where that comparison came from, other than the fact that he's like he kind of looks a bit like facial wise like Christian McCaffrey, so maybe that's where they're getting it from. Because I mean, play wise, n- not at all. Uh, maybe it's because he's he's a pass catching back at Washington State, but they're gonna change systems now because Mike Leach isn't there. So we're gonna actually get to see what he's like catching, uh, sorry, running the ball. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I, I want people that are saying that to go back and watch. Christian McCaffrey's college film because it's not even comparable. Yeah, you know what? So, so, so I remember when McCaffrey was going into his last year at Stanford there, and in the preseason, I was like, "Nah, there's no way." I, I just because they were saying McCaffrey was the next Bush, and I'm like, "Nah, I don't see it." And then by the end of the year, I had obviously reversed course. I don't see that happening with Max Borgie because Christian McCaffrey was also built like a truck, like. Yeah. I look at Max Borgie at 5'9", and he's listed at 195, so realistically that means he's 5'8", and probably about a buck 85. Yeah, I don't see that on film. I don't see the skill set. I don't see the elusiveness. I see nothing that actually made Christian McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I don't know where people are getting that from. The, the thing is, like, with summer scouting, a lot of people run with, you know, these narratives and they, they try and, and make that perfect comparison, but you, you just got to let it play out, man. Um, they're two completely different players, different systems. Uh, McCaffrey literally carried the team on his back. Borgie did not have to do that at all. Nope. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Gordon, I, I think he was 
they, they were more like capable of putting on uh, Gordon Shoulders and Deborah. Yeah. Now, one team that we have to, to talk about, they're, they're never going to have, well, actually, this year they really don't have a lot of, of highly touted recruits to talk about, unlike last year, is Utah. I think that when you look at the talent, nothing of theirs really stands out, but they'll probably be a team in, like, the nine-win range because it's Utah, and that coaching staff gets the best out of everything. Yeah, they, they definitely um, maximize their players for sure. Absolutely. Now, when you talk about some of the guys that maybe we, we weren't talking about in terms of their teams very seriously that are just kind of standouts on their own, uh, Amilcar Rashad, man. One of my guys. Now, he, he's one of the... This edge class is small. Like, it really is. There's a lot of these guys that are, like, 6'3", and, like, 240. He's 6'4", and 230. Like, we're talking some think, small dudes. I think he can bulk up, though. I think he yeah. can get to 250 range. just be fine. Um, but, yeah, I, to me, I feel like he can have a similar rise that Josh Gucci had last year. You know what I'm yep. saying? Um, I kind of see – I don't see them – they're not really that alike in terms of play style, but – to me, that's kind of my projection for him. So I think he could be an early, like, second-rounder, mid-second-rounder for sure. Um, he's definitely slept on. I mean, he had 14 sacks last year. <laughs> yeah. And 22, 22 and a half times for loss, which is the most in the country. Uh, or third most, man. Uh, maybe third most. But it was still insane. Like, a guy from Oregon State being that productive. You don't even think about Oregon State in terms nope. of draftable guys. But... He's definitely one of my guys for sure um, in terms of someone I think can translate to the next level and be a force edge-wise. Uh, I think sometimes, though, uh, kind of like similar to Uche's downfall, he is undersized, and, like, if the first moves don't work, he's kind of stonewalled because he really doesn't have the strength to be a bull rush type of guy. But he, he definitely has the speed and bend um, that you would like to see out of an edge rusher. Um, you definitely want to see him gain some weight, though, uh, and, and hold his own against some of the bigger offensive linemen. But he, he gave Walker little fit, fits in that Stanford game, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that he's kind of being slept on a little bit right now. Um, I think another year. I'm going to be honest, man. I was actually uh, in one of my final lectures uh, this past semester, of course, doing it from my basement because, you know, quarantine hit. And while well, my prof was going on, and of course this was one of the this was the class I actually paid attention to once quarantine hit, <laughs> and I would actually attend weekly because uh, I liked the prof. But he started kind of talking, and I started tuning out, and I just threw on some Amilcar Rashad uh, film, and I, uh, you know what? Yeah, uh, I kind of stopped paying. I think I actually closed the lecture. I just <laughs> I was just like, nope, I, I I gotta have it. Plus, I don't know if you know the the, the photo that that they use at. Um, at Oregon State, I'm sending this to you right now. I swear to God, he looks like little baby in this. I swear to God. Hang on, check this out. Oh, he definitely does. Oh my God. Oh yeah. You get him playing in Atlanta, and it, it, it's gonna be amazing. Um, now, Arizona State has a few guys. Chase um, Lucas. Chase Lucas is one, Merlin Robertson is the other, but like no one really is talking about Arizona State on either level uh, because they are a wildly inconsistent program. They are, but you know everybody's looking at Jaden Daniels, uh, him and Keaton Slovis uh, battling it out. Let's talk about Jaden Daniels because we're gonna talk about Keaton Slovis. Let's talk about Jaden Daniels yeah. for a second. 
he he's he's crazy. He he's crazy good. Um, he's not even close to I think the potential he can reach. Um, he's small, man. That's, man, that's the thing. He's he's, yeah. he's like six three, but he's also he weighed like one seventy last year. Yeah, he's going to have to get near two hundred at least. <laughs> we we at may be least. talking about it when you're six three. He needs to be like two oh five minimum. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's going to have to bulk up next couple years, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. No. Um, but his arm is, he has some arm talent. He, he can bomb it, for sure. Um, athletic ability is there, of course. Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I guess I'm just worried about him having a sophomore slump. And it's just so hard when guys break out in the same freshman year. Because the next year, you just want them to be great you want them to be like heisman contender you know crazy good and there's always that inevitable sophomore slump especially with uh, i feel like mobile quarterbacks they always have that sophomore slump because he plays so well his freshman year and manzel lamar, lamar jackson, jackson uh mariota uh, yeah and it's just so hard to replicate that freshman success people have film on you uh they understand your strengths and weaknesses they keep him inside the pocket. I mean, he's pretty good inside the pocket, but I feel like he, obviously he needs to get better with going through progressions, third, fourth option, because teams are going to start. You know, he, he doesn't have Brandon Ayuk either anymore. Um, so you you gotta you gotta take that into account. So it may be a show year for him this year. Uh, we'll see how he he kind of responds. But man, they at times Arizona, Arizona State looked like a, a Pac-12 contender, and then there are other times they just got blown off the field. So it, it's kind of hard to, to evaluate them what they're going to be. Yeah, they got another. Uh, they got a safety prospect. Uh, I want to say his name is Ashari Crosswell. A uh, little bit of what I've seen from him it seems to be pretty decent. Merlin Robertson. I haven't really gotten enough. I I've tried watching his film. And there's even in like full games I've watched, there's still not really a lot that I can pick up about his game. Maybe I need to watch a little bit more of him. But uh, yeah, and then when you when you look at like the kind of bottom parts of the conference, like Colorado, um, Arizona, uh, there's UCLA. There's obviously DTR, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. That is your guy. Um, but. Man, the rest of the conference, when you look at, at the Pac-12, it's kind of, it leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, yeah, like legit looking at Colorado, I see like absolutely nothing. I think they have a, a linebacker that may be worth looking at, um, a Colorado linebacker. I haven't taken a look at him yet, um, but I, I may um, add him to my list of, of players to take a look at for sure. Arizona's um, got nothing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not surprised about that at all. Um, I think Kevin, uh, a hot take, I think Kevin Sumlin might get fired soon. I don't think that's a hot take. (laughs) I don't think any coach has fallen off in the last decade harder than Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, uh, Nate Landman. uh, Oh, yeah, I heard a bit about him. Uh, And then UCLA, outside of Dorian Thompson-Robinson, they got got nothing. Nah, I want him to be good this year. I want him to... You know, the, uh, the thing is, like, UCLA fans despise this man. They hate him. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand why they dislike him so much. You know I think they like, like, I think they dislike talented players. Gotta be. I don't know what's, like, he's, he, he has turnover problems. I mean, it just is what it is. When you have a big arm, like, you 
constantly have turnover problems. When he literally tries to make something out of nothing. That's where his problems arise. But I think he, I think he could be a top 15 quarterback in this class. I think a lot of people are supremely low on him. But a, a lot of people I see ranked ahead of him are largely unproven, in my opinion. You know? So that, that's kind of like, I get the projections, but, you know, I I have him as a top two quarterback in this class. I don't know how other people feel about that, but I, I see. I mean, he he did a lot from a lot more on film for me than Jamie Newman, for to be honest. Um, so we'll see we'll see what happens with him. But yeah, he's pretty much him. Uh, they're running back. I think Felton or something like that. This is somebody worth looking at too. But he's not he's not gonna be someone like breaking on the scene or anything like that. Definitely a player. But yeah, the receivers, eh, uh, they were placing a couple of tight ends. So we'll see how they kind of retool their offenses here. Defensive wise, really nothing there. Um, their defense was pretty bad last year. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, other than that, we've kind of hit the end of that of the conference. Again, not really a loaded conference like some of the other ones that we'll have to delve into another time. But that's going to do it for today, guys. As always, you can find me on Twitter at MikeH underscore Draft. You can find Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at BlueChipScouting.com. Uh, Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip, uh, Scout on Twitter. Uh, you can find some of our college work on Downtown Sports Network. Uh, I think I kind of hit all of the plugs. I don't know. Is there anything I left out in there, Devin? I think you got everything. <laughs> all right. Yeah, until next time, guys. Uh, maybe next week's going to be a little bit uh, different podcast. we got something in the works that should be a lot, uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, but until next time, guys, take it easy.